0: This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Samsung, provider of
1: defense-grade mobile security for an open world. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On Tuesday, October 2nd, at a critical moment for cyber risk in the United States, The Washington Post brought together government leaders, security experts, and advocates to discuss emerging threats across the cybersecurity landscape. Experts at the forefront of cyber threat detection and prevention also offered a global view of cyber dangers facing the U.S., including foreign interference in American elections, infrastructure vulnerability, intellectual property theft, and targeted misinformation. In this segment, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirstjen Nielsen outlines the Trump administration's cyber priorities. Nielsen discusses a variety of issues, including election security, grid security, and how her department will help lead and coordinate these efforts within the federal government. Let's listen.
2: Good morning. My name is Derek Hawkins. I'm a national security reporter at The Washington Post focused on cybersecurity, and I'm the author of the Cybersecurity 202 newsletter. Uh, I'm joined by the highest ranking official at the Department of Homeland Security to to discuss the Trump administration's cyber agenda. Secretary Kirsten Nielsen is the sixth Secretary of Homeland Security. Previously, she served as White House Deputy Chief of Staff, and before that, Chief of Staff to then-Secretary of Homeland Security, John Kelly. Madam Secretary, thanks so much for being here. Pleasure. Uh, we're a month away from the midterm elections. Yes,
0: we
1: are.
2: How much more secure are we? <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> How much more secure are we this time around, uh, than we were two years ago?
0: So we have made tremendous strides, uh, and I think everybody as part of the ecosystem can take quite a bit of pride of that. So, uh, DHS is now working with all 50 states, Uh, As you know, we've created all the governance uh, functions that are attendant to critical infrastructure sectors, such as the sector coordinating council, the government coordinating council. We have an information sharing analysis center. Uh, We have sensors, uh, network intrusion sensors out, uh, such that about 90% of people who vote in this election will be voting in an area that's covered by a sensor. Uh, We have hurt teams ready to go. We're doing vulnerability assessments, hygiene scans. We really and truly are throwing anything and everything we have at it at the request of, of state and locals in support of their efforts.
2: And do you feel like you're getting enough participation from state and local governments? I know there's been some reticence uh, from a lot of local efe- election officials uh, to, to uh, about the federal government's role in election security. How do you feel about that?
0: So I think, you know, the, the partnership just continues to grow. I mean, ISAC is a perfect example. This is the fastest-growing ISAC we've ever seen. Uh, in six months, we have over 1,000 participants. And I think that that shows that we have overcome uh, the trust deficit that perhaps uh, existed uh, in some relationships at the beginning. But it's very strong. States are taking this very seriously, all the way down to the county level.
2: Well, and you mentioned the ISAC, which is you know, the center for states to share, state and locals to share election cyber threat information. And you, you said there's more than 1,000 have signed up so far, but there's 10,000 local election jurisdictions around the country what about the other 9,000? Uh, what, what's your message to them? Why? Where are they?
0: So uh, each state is different. Uh, you know, I feel like I say this in every part of DHS, uh, whether it's a, an airport or, in this case, an election system. You've seen one. You've seen one. Uh, so they are managed at a local level. Uh, they are tailored to what works for the particular electorate. Uh, so in that case, some states are choosing to use organic uh, capability Some are choosing to
2: hire. What do you mean by that, organic? uh,
0: In other words, just through their CIO or their CISO. They might have a team in and of itself that can address the vulnerabilities uh, that are found on the system.
2: And are those teams strong enough to defend against a a nation state? So it's a combination. So
0: some do that. Some are hiring third parties. Some are working with us. Uh, There's some states that are utilizing the National Guard. Uh, There's a variety of ways in which you can bring your capability and capacity up to speed. Each state is doing it a little bit differently.
2: Mm. You've said that uh, DHS Uh, hasn't seen the same scale of Russian election interference as it did in 2016. If you do start seeing that type of activity again, what's your plan for dealing with it, and how does it differ from two years ago?
0: Uh, so two two ways uh, first of all the information sharing is is much stronger than it ever has been before so we're working very closely with the Intel community the moment uh, that we see something significant we are in conjunction with the IC sharing with our state and local partners and it's not just the owners and operators so that's another big difference uh, in some cases the state election official or the homeland security advisor is not necessarily the owner operator of electoral processes so we're sharing with all of those people because they all play a particular the role. So the sharing's quicker, faster, more tailored. Uh, we're pulling more, collecting more from the intel community. And then through the sensors, we can real-time see based on a given threat indicator if there is any uh, intrusion in the system. For election day, we're setting up a situational awareness room, sort of a virtual place where everybody can share quite quickly. Uh, we are actually pre deploying uh, some hurt teams, some incident response teams, mm-hmm. so that should there be any concern, we'll be there to support our, our partners if they
2: need it. Where's this situational awareness room going to be and It'll what be is it going to look like? It'll, It'll be, be in, in DC. the
0: NKIC. Okay. Yes, so the National Cybersecurity Communications Integration Center, at DHS. Gotcha. You
2: know, in, um, it took DHS more than a year to notify states that uh, Russian hackers had scanned their systems and, in a couple cases, actually penetrated them. Will we have to wait that long to find out if it happens again this time around? Absolutely not. Why is that?
0: Uh, Now we know who to call. I mean, that seems like such a basic point, uh, but I referenced it earlier. Traditionally, DHS works with the owners and operators of a given sector. But in this case, those owners and operators were not always the elected officials, nor were they our more traditional partners, such as a Homeland Security Advisor. Now we have everybody on speed dial. Uh, I've been around the country uh, talking to different secretaries of state, for example. Uh, certainly, uh, Chris Krebs, our undersecretary, and mm-hmm. Jeanette Mann, for our assistant secretary, have. Uh, but we have constant conference calls. Uh, we hosted one recently with Facebook, uh, so that the social media companies could also begin to work directly with the states on the influence part of this. You know, as you know, we have lead for the infrastructure piece, but we're all uh, continue to ma- remain concerned about just the meddling.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, DHS does a lot to advise uh, state election officials on ways to improve their cybersecurity. What happens when DHS goes into a state and says, okay, here's Arizona where you're most vulnerable, here's Michigan or whoever, where your your main vulnerabilities are. What happens if they don't have the money or the resources to make the fixes that you recommend?
0: So a lot of our, well, all of what we offer is uh, voluntary and, and free to them uh with the sensors we offer two free sensors per state many states have chosen to purchase additional ones uh as you know there's 380 million that's being allocated through the Help American Vote Act uh so that will help uh different states increase their infrastructure and their systems uh, but what we do is we supplement. So we're not meant to supplant, but if they need particular help on a vulnerability assessment or a hygiene scan, we then offer that. Mm-hmm. And I think the clip you showed, uh, I think, if it's what I'm thinking of, what I was trying to say there is of the 16 sectors, we are absolutely prioritizing any requests that comes in for any of our tools. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of providing assistance in kind, if you will.
2: But do the states need yeah. more money? They've, talked I, about if you ask the Secretary states, State, I think
0: they would say yes. What do you say? Uh, I, you know, it, it, I think they need uh, consistent funding, and that's always a difficulty across the homeland enterprise. We have the same issue with Homeland Security grants. Mm-hmm. You fund something one year, and then the next year there's a shortfall, and what do you do then to maintain the capability and capacity? Mm-hmm. Uh, some states have done this very well. Uh, Ohio, for example. Uh, has a system where they have used state funds to upgrade election infrastructure, but ask the counties to match. So it's a partnership at the state and local level to make sure that they have what they need. But states need to be budgeting it. They need to be thinking through. And if they need federal assistance, they need to be making clear what the specific ask is.
2: Mm-hmm. So would you call on Congress to send more money to the states?
0: Uh, it's, it's you know we, The states are our partners. The states need more money. They should absolutely go to Congress and ask for money.
2: Does the federal government need to take a greater role in election security?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I think we have a very good mix right now, both on the Intel piece, so if you start you know, way left, if you're thinking of a physical event, way left of boom, uh, on the awareness, the training, the hygiene scanning, the workforce development, all the way through to that incident response and how we get the system, any critical infrastructure system back up and running. Mm-hmm. I think we have the right MISC, it's a, it's a voluntary partnership in this particular sector. Uh, But that's constitutional. State and local elections are run by state and local
2: authorities. Um, President Trump made a a pretty shocking claim last week. He said China is attempting to interfere in our upcoming 2018 election. They do not want me or us to win. Has DHS seen attempts by China to interfere in U.S. elections?
0: So this is uh, where, uh, you know, I always have to pause and make sure we're talking about the same thing. Sure. So there's probably two, some people say three, but at least two categories that we're worried about. Uh, One is the uh, direct attacks on election infrastructure. That is where DHS has the lead. Mm -hmm. The other is this more uh, nefarious, frankly, but also nebulous area of foreign influence. Uh, That can be done through state spokesmen in a foreign country. That can be done through state-run media. Uh, In Russia, that could include RT and, and Sputnik. Uh, And in the case of China, it's part of a more holistic approach to influence the American public in favor of China. Russia is uh, more, at the moment, uh, focused on sowing discord on all sides, and through that chaos, hoping to promote their own uh, policies. Mm. So it's slightly different. China's playing perhaps a longer game, a more holistic game. Uh, Russia's being pretty noisy about it right now yeah. in terms of uh, not just their use of state-run media, but also what we attribute to be social media personas.
2: Well, respectfully, in, in the past two years, as we've talked about uh, election interference, you know, we usually hear that referred to in the context, or when we talk about, I'm sorry, um, when we talk about election interference, we usually hear that from intelligence officials in reference to Russia's activities, in, re- in reference to cyber activities. Are we seeing those types of things? There's a difference between an attempted hack on a political organization, for example, and planting you know, a favorable ad in a, a, you know, a local newspaper or something like that, or broadcasting from a propaganda channel. Are we seeing the same sort of cyber interference from China? So
0: to answer that two ways, one, uh, we currently have no indication that a foreign adversary intends to disrupt our election infrastructure, but I will immediately follow that with this is a point in time. Uh, we know they have the capability and we know they have the will. So we're constantly on alert to watch. But what we see with China right now are the influence campaigns, the more traditional, longstanding, mm-hmm. holistic influence campaigns.
2: Why does the White House seem to have such a hard time focusing on Russia, which is where the intelligence community says the major threat is?
0: I think the the president's been clear. Uh, I've been clear. The intel uh, community has been clear. We are all uh, support the intel community assessment from 2017. And actually, you know, I, I would also say uh, to those in the audience, it's worth rereading. Uh, there's a lot in there that is still very relevant today, including... An entire annex uh, in that case on Russian propaganda and how they actually use. Uh, state-sponsored media and others to try to influence and so discord in our society. Mm-hmm. But I think we've all been clear that the ICA is pretty clear uh, with respect to interference attempts in the 2016 election by Russians.
2: Yes, but d- does it make your job harder? Does it make it harder for DHS to get local election officials on board to take action on election security when the president refers to the Russia uh, investigation, you know, Russian interference as a hoax as he has?
0: So when you say Russian investigation, which...
2: The investigation into Russian interference.
0: Oh, okay. So I think, well, I think the ICA, I mean, we have a conclusion on 2016. Uh, What we're working on now day by day is making sure that we update state and locals on anything we see that changes. Uh, So no, I don't think so because I think that information sharing partnership is there. So we've been clear in the past. Now we're looking at today and moving forward. But always I want to stress the capability and will is there. So we would all be foolish If I say today that we don't see any indication to pretend or assume that we won't see one tomorrow, we have to be ready and prepared.
2: Do you feel like you have the full-throated support of the president in your election security efforts?
0: I do, yes. He takes it very seriously.
2: Uh, You've talked about deterring cyber threats by replacing complacency with consequences. How How do you do that? How does the United States do that? when the president has been so accommodating to some of the leaders of the countries that we know have attacked us, not just Russia, but also North Korea?
0: So we actually have a full suite uh, of consequences that you've started to see in different ways. Uh, At DHS, for example, as you know, uh, we have lead for the network defense of the civilian.gov agencies. Uh, As part of that, we've used our binding operational directive authority to take companies offline that we know pay, pose a threat, for example, Kaspersky. Uh, we've also seen indictments, uh, we've seen sanctions, we've seen attribution, uh, we're using the CFIUS process to think about supply chain, Uh, So we're really looking at a full, and that's the diplomatic uh, as well. And then there's seen and unseen, and then we also are looking at much more proactive defense uh, than we have used before. And what I mean by that is sort of disrupting the the connections, communications, Mm -hmm. as well as actually disrupting uh, the infrastructure. But I do think the national cybersecurity strategy that was just released makes it very clear there will be consequences, there will be a price to pay uh, before and after uh, the activity, Uh, And we will all work together as a full government. We've also been working very closely with our allies. I was just at a Five Eyes uh, ministerial about a month ago. We talked quite a bit about this. Depending on which Five Eyes country you are, uh, you see attempts to interfere elections both from China and from Russia. uh, And we're all uniting in our, not just our attribution, but in levying consequences against those countries.
2: Does it really qualify as a whole of government response if the the president isn't out saying unequivocally, every day, this is where the threats are. We know this is a problem.
0: I think uh, what I've heard the president say is that he agrees with the IC. The IC is out there almost every day. I'm out there almost every day. MPPD is out there almost every day. So we continue to raise the learn And I would say state and locals as well. I mean, they are taking this very seriously and doing all that they can to make sure that there's redundancy and resilience, as well as actually to protect Uh, on the front end their networks and
1: systems.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Over the summer, the Justice Department announced a new policy that it's going to start uh, alerting the public to malign influence campaigns, some of these social media and disinformation campaigns that you mentioned. Uh, DHS is obviously intimately involved in that, as I understand it. Can you give us an update on the, the progress that you've made? Have you worked more closely with social media companies? Have you been able to identify any new threats?
0: Sure. Uh, so, yes and yes. Uh, FBI has lead uh, for that particular line of effort, uh, but we also at DHS have a Countering Foreign Influence Task Force that we uh, plug in with the FBI together. We've met with social media companies. Uh, we're trying to identify known Uh, false personas, Uh, you know, I encourage everybody, if you are reading something or you link to something and it suddenly takes you to RT and Sputnik, uh, be aware. I mean, those are state-sponsored news outlets. They're not independent. So a lot of this, too, is just awareness, raising awareness for all citizens as to where to seek their news uh, and what assumptions they should make about what they read Mm -hmm. in terms of who's printing it.
2: Sure. Um, We've Is is DHS sharing specific information with social media companies? I know there were some concerns about that when uh, Undersecretary Krebs went out to Silicon Valley to meet with some of those companies about whether or not DHS was sharing enough information with them. Are you sharing specific information about the campaigns that you see, or is it more just kind of a general, we've observed um, this kind of malign activity on your platforms, you need to do something about it?
0: Uh, so it's some combination of all of the above. Uh, we share as much as is appropriate uh, within the legal constructs of the law and privacy. Uh, but we absolutely, to the extent that we know uh, specific personas are false, we share that with them. Uh, we share you attribute with them uh, we... sometimes we can and sometimes we can't you know for Why example not? well attribution can sometimes be difficult as you know for mm-hmm. a whole variety of reasons uh, what we will see as an example is constant scanning of systems throughout critical infrastructure so even at that phase we will alert that we're seeing that well before we can attribute it and well before there's any compromise it's just the scanning you know it's that equivalent to someone checking to see if there's any windows open sure. right so at that at that stage we we let all of our partners know we're seeing this activity. Uh, take it, a, take a look at it from your side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do provide those threat indicators, and then they use those through a variety of our programs, automated indicator sharing, uh, or through the ISEC and the Albert sensors to understand what is happening on their networks.
2: Mm-hmm. And we've seen some of this in the uh, electrical grid as well. Now, yes. obviously, you know, Russians are not in a position to cause widespread blackouts. I think there was some confusion about that, but what are they doing there?
0: So they are, in my opinion, uh, they are doing research. They want to know how it works, uh, perhaps to uh, you know use a phrase to prep the battlefield for a future disruption or a future attack. Uh, we do see scanning often. Uh, as you know, we all did witness the blackouts in two thousand and fifteen and sixteen in Ukraine. Uh, we also saw a massive russia led Critical infrastructure campaign from about 2016 to this year, we put out a technical alert with the FBI, but that was that was industrial control systems writ large, Mm -hmm. and it was a multi-stage attack. So. It was quite uh, sophisticated. It used a third party to get into a system, uh, to get credentials, to then uh, put in malware, to then activate the malware, to then get additional information, to scan the industrial control systems to see how they work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think they're active. I agree with you uh, by the way that our grid is right now and the distributed, distributed nature. We do feel that there is resilience built in. We continue to work with the sector. Uh, but we're also trying new things. Uh, the Department of Energy is very active as well as a sector specific agency. We at DHS are trying out a pilot uh, called Project Sentry where we will look at that boundary between the business system and the operational system to see if there's any crossover, because mm-hmm. that's the other area that we've been closing trackly. Like when you get into one system, do they have a capability through that door to get into the industrial control system? Oh. So very, a, a lot of activity, watching it very closely, uh, but they do have some capability absolutely to disrupt ICS systems.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard um, a handful of reports from tech companies like Microsoft, you know, uh, this came up a little bit in the last uh, discussion, about uh, Russia, potentially other adversaries targeting the email accounts of congressional candidates, of Senate staff. Are, are we going to hear any more uh, from DHS about the specific threats that you've detected?
0: So, yes. uh, But I would also say that we, as you know, we do everything based on a voluntary model and trust. Uh, So, generally speaking, we do not out the victims. Uh, We notify the victims. We and or the FBI, Uh, in some cases the victims choose to make a public announcement and sometimes they choose not to. Uh, But we work with them and give them as much information as we can. I will say we are seeing more and more sophisticated uh, spear phishing attacks. They use very traditional stagecraft to find out everything about you, you know, what your dog's name is, what you like, what your parents are, who your parents are, so that when they send that spear phishing email, it does in fact look like it's from somebody that you know about something you recently talked about, so that you're more likely to click on it. Uh, So the hygiene scans become very important. We're offering that to state and locals in the election context, Uh, but just in general to make sure that we're all constantly updating passwords access control making sure we know who's on the system and why uh, and if they have an authorized use to be on the system all of that becomes very important to try to counter that more sophisticated attack
2: and we saw some of that in 2016 you know we did state election officials were targeted some uh, voting vendors I believe were targeted are, are you seeing are you saying that you've seen more of that? Who, who is being targeted here?
0: Yeah, I don't know that we've seen, uh, I would refer to the IC, I don't know quantifiably if we've seen more, uh, but we absolutely see attempts to scan systems, to spearfish, uh, to get election into... Election officials? Uh, not election officials, just general campaign officials, some of the campaigns. Uh, we haven't seen any uh, major compromises as of yet, but again, it's that preparatory work Uh, that should raise everybody's shields and and make you more prepared to look for uh, the next shoe to drop, right? What are they going to do next after they get a credential, for example, or after they have access to your email? I think what we saw in 2016 is they gathered emails and then they dumped the emails. They publicized the emails, right? They didn't try to alter. uh, There's no evidence they altered any of the information. Uh, but they obviously had a motive that was nefarious behind hacking and grabbing that data and then publicizing it in an unauthorized fashion.
2: Can you say anything more about the victims of these types of attacks this year? Any, any, any more about who has been targeted? Uh, no. no, not <laughs> at this time. <laughs> okay. Well, um, there's, a, there's a bill moving close to the goal line right now in Congress that would essentially put DHS in charge of civilian cybersecurity uh, and create a cybersecurity agency within DHS. Um, What's the holdup? Why hasn't Congress been able to pass that?
0: Uh, So I'd like to, you know, I'm tempted to give you my cynical answer. I'll try not to give you that one. We'll take the cynical Uh, answer. So the the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Act, it, it has bipartisan support. Uh, what it is meant to do is to recognize the import of the mission that we have at DHS. We are responsible, as I mentioned earlier, for uh, federal efforts when it comes to both protecting critical infrastructure, working with the owner-operators and private sector, but also to protect all those civilian.govs. So that's all of the civilian agencies and all of their networks. To do that, we have to have both a name uh, that indicates that is what we do uh, and we have to be able to streamline the organization so that we can, we can, we can become more operational. Uh, we also want to pivot, uh, and this is a main part of our strategy at DHS that was also reflected in the national strategy, away from particular assets and systems to a much more holistic view of systemic risk, uh, those cross-cutting interdependencies, and how we can all play a part looking at the weakest link problem to attack it. That is what CISA will let us do. Why hasn't Congress passed it? Uh, calendars are tight Uh, it's an election year they're not in uh, as much as they might be in another year it's difficult I think the leadership would say given other priorities uh, to schedule the vote uh, but it is prior. a uh, priority of, of both sides. It's, uh, is it really bipartisan. just
2: kind of a, a procedural thing? Are there, people, are there holdouts? Uh so we are doesn't not, seem we particularly are not controversial. Of,
0: we are not aware of any holds. Uh, early on there were some holds because there was some concern that the bill gave DHS new authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't do that. DHS is one of those, it's probably the only one of its kind, We were created late in time, as you know. We were only uh, 15 years uh, young or old, uh, depending on how you look at that. Uh, And what that means is we are put together by a bunch of legacy departments. We have hundreds of committees of jurisdiction. DOD has four. So when you look at it that way, you have to get all committees to agree to move forward in some of these areas. That takes time but we passed all of those hurdles. We answered all those questions. We revised the text as necessary. Uh, I'm very hopeful that we get this on the president's desk for signature this year.
2: There's, you know, it seems like there's still some skeptics, though, in government, former officials. And we just heard from uh, General Petraeus, who has sort of expressed some skepticism about whether DHS really has the tools it needs to carry out this mission. And he wrote a Uh, An essay recently in Politico where he said uh, DHS has too many cybersecurity responsibilities on its plate, and he called for this national cybersecurity agency. What do you think of that?
0: Uh, We are the national cybersecurity agency. Uh, I think that's why we need CISA to just make that clear. I I would answer that two ways. My concern is, uh, first and foremost, just a pragmatic concern. Uh, It has taken DHS a good bit of time to integrate all of our myriad of missions to organize properly and then to ensure that we have the authorities, tools, and resources to meet that mission. If we stop right now in the middle of this tremendous increase in attacks in the cyber realm, to take parts of FBI, take parts of DHS. And by the way, at DHS, it's not just NPPD, It's Secret Service. It's ICE. It's Coast Guard. They all have cyber roles. To take part of CTIC, to take perhaps part of NSA, put that all together in a major government reorganization and pretend that it could immediately affect change in this realm, I I think is... is, is not accurate. I do not believe that that is the way to go. What we should do is take all of the capabilities, all the trust, all the multiple partnerships that we've built, Both international with the private sector, with state and locals, and the interagency, uh, and strengthen it and continue to build on that. But the groundwork is strong, the framework is strong, all the governance is in place. All we're looking now is to refine and, in a different way, tailor what we offer. As you know, we just announced uh, the National Risk Management Center. Part of that is to do that. What is the next level of maturity? in terms of both understanding risk and then making sure that what we offer is useful to our partners. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's the ability to ask them, what is it that you need? Let us help develop it and then give it, you know, let us help you help you sort of uh, an approach. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, We're almost uh, out of time, but I want to ask one last question. Your department has so many cyber priorities from cybersecurity, which we've been talking about today, to counterterrorism, to immigration, to border security, what would you say has been the hardest part about heading up the Department of Homeland Security since your first day on the job last September? December? December?
0: December, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I think uh, you know, it might be, a, it might be a, uh, a bureaucratic answer. My biggest concern is that we are not poised to anticipate and defend against emerging threats. So it could be cyber. Uh, you've heard me speak a lot about drones. Uh, it could be evolving threats within the chemical and bio realm. Uh, but we traditionally have not had the procedures in place. Again, we have remember, we have 100 committees. We have to get something through to get authority. I worry about that. Things are developing so quickly, given our connectivity, given the pace of innovation, uh, that I worry we won't have time to develop what we need to respond to the evolving threats. That's been the most difficult, to change our posture to one that is much more forward-leaning and anticipatory, horizon scanning, addressing today's threats, but being prepared today
2: for what will come tomorrow. And what's the biggest obstacle to reaching that poise? Uh,
0: yeah, uh, you know part of it is Congress uh, we've, we, we've just we've got to reorganize the way Congress does oversight for DHS We need oversight a hundred committees does is not workable just with drones I had six different uh, Committee chairs tell me that drones were in their authority uh, That's just not workable when you're trying to do something quite quickly and drones is a perfect example I mean the reason we need authority is because the laws are so outdated that for DHS to have the ability to identify and monitor or track a drone, I would need a warrant. Drones fly 150 miles per hour. When one is flying at a soft target, I will not have time to get a warrant. Mm. But we've been talking to Congress about this for a year, uh, and it's another example where I still have not uh, received the authority we need to protect the homeland.
2: Sounds like you've got... Your work cut out for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good (laughs) challenge. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Thank you, Secretary Neal. I
0: want to thank you, and I want to thank you for having this. As you know, it's uh, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, We greatly appreciate you holding this type of event. Uh, It's a team effort. I'm sure you've heard that throughout the day. We all have to play a role. Uh, This truly is a a weakest link issue. So thank you very much for for having us all here. Appreciate it. Thank
2: you. And that also concludes, (laughs) by all means, And that also concludes this year's Washington Post Cybersecurity Summit. Uh, To watch highlights from today's program, go to WashingtonPostLive.com. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Thank
0: you so much.
1: Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.